Welcome to the Legacy Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about Legacy Church and other resources, visit us online at LegacyFamily.info. And so when Pastor asked me a few weeks back if I wanted to share um, uh, during the Christmas series, I was like, you know, I was like, are you sure? Are you sure me? <laughs> you know, um, I work with high school kids every day. Are you sure? And uh, I found out I was getting love. I was getting the topic of love. And I was like, all right, I'm, I'm the youth pastor here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove to pastor that I know my Bible. Um, you know, I read it. Uh, I, you know, I've, I've taken Bible classes. You know, I'm going to prove that I know my Bible. So I'm, I'm going to try to impress you all a little bit with my knowledge. So if you would, turn to John 3.16. I don't know why that's funny. I can quote this by memory. <laughs> John 3.16 is where we're going to start. Because we're talking about love, you know. So John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'm sure many of you have heard that a time or two, maybe, hopefully. If not, it's okay. We're learning together. For God so loved. And so as I was reading this verse and thinking about love and what is love, and I was like, well, should I do a sermon on how to love? And then, you know, I was like, no, I don't want Jordan to think I'm being hypocritical because she'd be like, well, you're preaching to yourself. Um, So I was like, well, let's just start here. For God so loved. And so I was thinking about things, well, what is something you so love? And of course, I so love my wife, but I don't want to embarrass her today. But if you know me, you know I so love the game of football. I mean, on Monday nights, I watch football. On Tuesdays, I watch reruns of football. On Wednesdays, I watch reruns of football. Thursdays, Thursday night football. Friday is high school football. Saturday is college football. And Sunday is football. I just love football. And I love football so much that just two weeks ago, I drove to um, Salem. It was a state championship game. Galax was playing. And I sat in the rain with my wife. That's how I know Jordan loves me is that we sat in the rain and watched a football game uh, of no one that we knew and uh, did not know one name of anybody on the field. But we sat there and we watched football because it was our day off. And I, I, I couldn't think of better things to do. After that, we did go to the mall. So... Just clarifying. I did think of Jordan. I did think of Jordan. Um, I, I, I so love football that for my one-year anniversary this year, I went to a football game. Uh, that's how I celebrated my one-year marriage. I went to West Virginia. I'm not going to talk about West Virginia too much because I don't have anything nice to say right now. Um, Morgantown is great. Lord, bless them and keep them all the days of their life. And so I celebrated a football game. You know, I was there. I was screaming. But if, if you were to come to my house on a Saturday morning, I'm up about 1030. College game day starts. It's on the TV. Jordan already knows. Jordan already knows that I'm in my zone. We're both doing our thing. And, you know, Texas game is going to start soon. And it starts. Now, if you were to see me in the beginning of the year, I'm not going to talk about the season. We don't have to do that. But... Um, 
I was, I was, I was engaged. I was locked in, and I'm just screaming at the TV, like, what are we doing? You know, calling plays. It's almost like I'm there. I'm screaming at this TV. And you know, as the season goes on, I get a little better, mainly because we were losing a lot. And so my energy wasn't all there. But there'd be moments where I'd get up and I'd start screaming at the TV, what are we doing? Let's get it together. Come on, let's go, let's go. And Jordan's sitting on the recliner, and you know, she's just looking at me like. They can't hear you. Well, it feels like they can. The only person who can hear you right now is me, and you're kind of hurting my ears. Well, it, I'm sorry. I just I feel like they can, or at least they should, you know. I know a little something about football, maybe. And so I was reading, for God so loved the world. And I kept going, and I was like, man, I so love football. And God so loves the world. I can kind of relate. And so the verse keeps going. Are we able to put that up real quick? For God so loved the world. I'm, you know, it's, it's not that I'm not able to read it. So I just want you to see a certain word here. That whoever, that whoever, not for God so loved the world that all Christians in the world would not perish but have everlasting life. All good people or mm, all those that would go to church on Sunday morning. No, it says whoever, maybe, I don't know, someone out there, for God so loved the world that I'm going to send my son to die, that maybe by chance, by grace, by a miracle, someone out there, one soul might believe in him. And I was like, what? God, you're telling me you sent Jesus to die for a whosoever, for a maybe, for if they want it? And I got to thinking, well, I'm kind of, you know, I'm crazy about Texas football, and Jordan's telling me the same thing. Well, they, they can't hear you, and I was reading this verse, and I was like, God, don't you know that, that there's going to be people who aren't going to believe in you, who aren't going to hear you, and there's Christians in the world, in the world who are telling this God who cares about everybody, God, what are you doing? Don't you know they can't hear you? I want to tell you something today. You are the object of his obsession. You, your soul, your person, you were created in his image, and you're his. And you are the object of his obsession. Kind of like I'm obsessed with Texas football, God is obsessed with you, and you're running and you're walking, and maybe you're walking away from God, or you're running from God, or you're mad at God, and God is in this constant pursuit of you, and he's yelling at you with this love, with this passion, with this deep earning to just let you know that he loves you for a whosoever God decided to send his son. And so 750 years before Jesus was ever born, there was a prophet by the name of Hosea. Hosea was his name. And uh, Hosea lived in ancient Israel, and as a prophet, you're seen as a holy man. You're a mouthpiece for God. Everybody knows you. Everybody knows who you are. Everyone knows that you're someone who walks with the Lord and talks with the Lord, and they respect you greatly. And so Hosea is, is, is giving these messages to the Israelite people. And uh, most, most prophets of that time would receive a message, and they'd end up walking it out. That'd end up being their life. They'd end up seeing most of it. 
unless you're Isaiah, but most of the prophets before that would. And so Hosea was talking to the Lord, and the first thing the Lord told Hosea was, I want you to marry a prostitute. And Hosea, you know, are you sure? <laughs> what? Me? A holy man? Are you sure? He said, no, I want you to go and marry a prostitute. Go and have children of a prostitute. And Hosea, being a man of God that he is, he was obedient in that. And so he goes and he meets this woman named Gomer. And so here they are. Hosea goes and meets Gomer, and they have these beautiful three. They have three beautiful children that um, the Bible mentions. There could be more, but she's a prostitute, and, and and they get married, and things start going well, smooth sailing. You know. She's kind of turned from that lifestyle, and, you know, she's married to this preacher man, this pastor, someone that the community knows. And so the story goes on in Hosea 1, chapter 2, and then in chapter 3, things, the end of chapter 2 and the beginning of chapter 3, things take a little turn. Hosea wakes up one morning, you know, he's probably getting, you know, uh, sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit, you know, gravy on the side, uh, Maybe a cinnamon waffle with some maple syrup. I'm not sure what their culture is like, but I like to picture it like that. Um, you know, some Grayson's breakfast. I don't know. But he woke up one morning, and, you know, he's going through his house. He's talking to the Lord, and then he realizes one day that Gomer is gone. And he's here with three children, and he's like, what in the world? And he's come to the conclusion that Gomer has left him, that she's left him. Um, she no longer wants to be a part of his life. And so here he is. He's with three kids, and he's trying to be this great single dad. But at the same time, he feels that he has this need to uphold um, his standard, his place. And so he's trying really hard, and he's talking to the Lord. And here we come to Hosea 3, verse 1. And Hosea is sitting in his home. If we could throw this verse up here real quick. And Hosea is talking to the Lord, and this is what the Lord ends up telling Hosea in chapter 3, verse 1. This is in the English Standard Version. And it says this, And the Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by another man, and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel. Though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisin. And the Lord said to me, go again. I don't know if, if the Lord told me that, if I would do it, if, if my wife left me with all my children and just never said a word. And he said, you know, go again and, and marry her. I want you to go find her and marry her. I want you to understand something about ancient Israel during this time. They, uh, they, they were living in this time where love was perceived and gained through three main things. And the first one is they believed that love could be purchased. They believed that they could buy their way and gain love for others and to themselves. And secondly, they thought it was the pursuit of self-gratification, career, a house, a job. And they felt loved that way. And thirdly, it was materialistic. It was idols. They worshipped something and they felt loved or they felt they were giving love. And as I was studying ancient Israel, I began to think, man, that sounds a lot like my culture today. We love ourselves. We love our jobs. And we love to put things before the Lord. 
And so here was Gomer, and she's going back to what she came from because that's all she knew. And so she was giving her body away, and she was making money, and she was feeling this sense of love, and she thought it was real. And maybe that's where you are. And that's okay. That's okay right now. I just hope as we get to the end of service, you can experience something new. Because here she was, and she was going looking for this feeling of gratification. And I'm telling you today, there's not a thing in this world that can give you the sense of love that Jesus can. There's not an addiction. There's not a drug. There's not a food. There's not a website. There's not a judgment. There's not a vote. There's not a thing. There's not, it, it, it may fill you for a moment, but I'm telling you now, Jesus is going to fill you for a lifetime. And so here they are in Hosea chapter 3, and God is telling Hosea, he's saying, I want you to go find Gomer and love this woman again. Love her, even though she's loved another man. Love her again. Even though they're turning to other things, I'm going to love them again. And so here goes Hosea. He's going, he, you know, he closes the door to his house. He's like, man, where am I going to find Gomer? And so he's walking the streets, you know. Hey, have, have you seen Gomer? And then it crosses my mind, you know, Jose is going to have to go look for Gomer where Gomer is. I've lost a dog before, and I went looking for her, and I went everywhere that I think she would go. And so here goes Jose, and Jose may be going to the red light district, um, maybe a place in town that's known for prostitution. And so here goes this holy man. He's walking where men of God should not walk. And he's saying, he's asking people, hey, have you seen Gomer? And maybe he runs into other men who have. Oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't know y'all were. But, yeah, I, I mean, I saw her a few days ago. And so here goes Jose, and he stumbles to this selling block, this sex trade, this sex trafficking block. And here's Gomer, and she's standing with someone, and they're selling her for a price. And so Jose is standing there. I'm picturing him in the back of the room, kind of in the back of the crowd. And he sees something that's his. He sees something that already belongs to him, that he already loves, that he's already declared his vows to. He sees something that's his, and there's someone that is selling her for a price. And so people are bidding, you know, yeah, over here, I'll take her. And so verse 2 says this, Hosea chapter 3, verse 2, and it says, So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and Homer and a homer of a lech of barley, five pieces of barley. He bought what was already his for 15 pieces of silver and five pieces of barley. I need you to understand something. Numbers in the Bible have meaning and significance. 15 is the number of divinity, of something being divine, something of God. Five is the number of grace, and Hosea bought Homer, Homer, Gomer, not Homer, Hosea and Gomer makes Homer. But Hosea bought Gomer for 15 pieces, something that is divine and five pieces of grace. And he met her with this grace of God. And I want you to understand something. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The earth is the Lord's. I, I just, I can't comprehend this because you belong to God. 
And he didn't have to pay for you. He didn't have to stand there and watch your mistakes and watch you pursue things that were not of him. But he stood there and said, I will pay the price. Time and time again, God is paying the price for you, even though it's already his. And I don't understand that God is sitting there in the back and he's saying, even though I've already paid, even though I've already been through the walk with you, time and time again, if you run from me, if you walk from me, I'm on this relentless pursuit because Hosea is mirroring what God would do for us. In verse 3, it continues. And so here goes Hosea, and all of a sudden he begins to declare his vows to Gomer. And he says, you must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore belong to another man. So I will also be to you. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God comes on Hosea. In verse 4, verse 4 and 5, it says this. For the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household gods. Verse 5. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God. And David their king, and they shall come in fear to the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. Oh. And so Hosea is saying here, the Lord came upon him and he said, Seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they shall come in fear or respect to the Lord. You see, Hosea is speaking this prophetic word, but Hosea is only speaking with what he knows. He does not yet know the name of Jesus or the person of Jesus, so he uses the name David their king. You see, Jesus comes this week. He is born through the line of David. And so he's saying, seek the Lord their God and Jesus their king, and they shall come to fear the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. Cody or Leslie, whoever's on the keys, you can come up here and make me sound a little more spiritual. I always think it's cool when they do that. It's okay to laugh in church. The Bible says laughter is good medicine. It's the best medicine. I don't know where you are in your walk today. I don't know um, what you think of the Lord or what you think of Jesus, but I know what I know of him. The Bible says that he is love. God is love. That is who he is. And there's not a moment in time that he ceases to love you because then he would cease to exist. There's not a moment in his thought and there's no capacity for him without love. You see, love changed my perspective of my life, of my family, of my future. Love changed everything for me, and I believe today can be the day that love supernaturally, inherently, it's, it's embedded deep within you that you change, and you have a new perspective, a new joy, a new life, a new pep in your step to see things in the way that you should, because I want you to understand that right here, right now, if you turn around and realize that God is on this relentless pursuit of you, that Jesus is on this relentless pursuit of you today, everything changes. Everything changes. And so Hosea says this in chapter 3, verse 5, and then in Matthew. I don't know if we have this verse. It's in Matthew chapter 9. And here Jesus is. This is fast forward to Jesus being alive. 
And as Jesus reclined at the table, I love that. I love seeing that Jesus is chilling at a table with his feet propped up. Jesus reclined at the table. That's how I sit. Jesus is human. He reclined at the table in the house. Behold, many tax collectors and sinners. I love when the Bible says that. Many tax collectors and sinners. They came. And were reclining with him. You see, many sinners were with him. Jesus isn't this distant God that can't be close to sin. You see, he walked with sinners to take sin away. God is not mad at you. He is madly in love with you. You see, God is not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. He's not in love with your thoughts. He's not in love with how you look. He's not in love with the way you dress. He's in love with the soul. He breathed into you. He's in love with you. He's not mad. He wants to correct you with love, but he's not mad. And he sits with you. Recline, sitting back, saying, how's your day been? I'm sorry they died. I'm sorry they passed. I'm sorry they got hurt, but I love you and I want to walk with you and talk with you and be with you and let you know that no matter where you go, I paid the price of this divine grace that sits and walks and breathes and it's tangible today. You see, the Spirit of God is in this place. You know, time and time again, people come to pass and they say, man, I love your children's church. Or they tell Cody, man, I love your worship. They tell Pastor, man, I love, I love, I love how you teach. I'm telling you, you don't love our children's church, our pastor, our worship. What you love is the Holy Spirit because he dwells deep within this place. And he's real and he's tangible and he's after you. He's after you. And in the next verse, Matthew 9, 10, 11, and this is what Jesus says. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Isn't he this holy God that can't be seen walking down dirty streets? And they don't know. Pharisees don't understand that this God walks where he wants to walk because he's looking for you. Holiness follows him. Holiness is who he is. And in the next verse, this is what Jesus responds with. And I need you to understand something. Jesus is quoting Hosea chapter 6. He is quoting out of a book we just read. He said, those who are well have no need of, of a physician, but those who are sick. Do we have a 13? If we don't, it's okay. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. For I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. For I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. You see, I, whether you volunteer every Sunday, you see, Jesus doesn't wake up and say, oh, there goes the Arnolds volunteering again. A bigger hug for them. No, if you just barely decided to come to church this morning and you got in a fight in the car on your way in the door, Jesus is just as happy that you're here because he came to call you. He came to call you. 
to greater things, to deeper things, to experience what love is, this agape love that is never ending, never ceasing. And so Jesus quotes out of the book of Hosea because the people would know what Hosea did. You see, Hosea married a prostitute to honor the Lord. And even though she left him and walked from him, he went and found her and bought her. And that is the message of love that Jesus has for you today. I know you've heard the gospel story time and time again, so I wanted to give it to you in a different perspective so you'd better understand. And so 1 John 4, 9, if I can catch my breath. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. God's love was, re was revealed. God's love was shown. And maybe you're walking and talking today and you don't feel loved or you feel you've lost love. Or you feel you'll never know what true love is because you've been abused, you've been talked down to. You don't really know who you are. I want you to know that love is in this room. And today it can be with you all the days of your life. No matter how far you run, how far you go. You can keep running in this life, you can. But if you're tired of running... If you're tired of feeling the way that you feel and, and, and you want to know what love is, slow down today. And I want you to know that love showed up on the scene. You see, this week is not a celebration of Santa Claus or green trees or presents. This week, this week is a celebration that my king started his search for me. He was born. He left the throne of a God to look for me, to buy me back again. Just don't run from him. Everyone knows 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Love is patient, love is kind. I love that first line. I have to remind myself, husbands, if you want to be kind to your wife, you have to first be patient. <laughs> I'm learning that. Love is, the Bible tells us that God is love. And so this is how God treats you. You see, God is patient with you. God is kind with you. God does not envy nor boast you. You see, it is not arrogant. Verse 5 says this. He's not rude to you. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. You see, it does not insist on its own. So you see, God is a gentleman. He's going to knock at your door, and you can open it, or you can leave it closed today. Verse 6, it says this. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. You see, God's not happy with the way that you're living, but he's willing to keep loving you and walk you through it. But it rejoices with the truth. It rejoices with the truth. And verse 7 says this. You see, love bears all things. 
God hasn't given up on you? God didn't say, oh, well, they spent their 30s, 40s, and 50s doing things they shouldn't have. No chance. No, love bears all things. He's wanting today. He's wanting today from you so he can have tomorrow. Believes all things. Jesus believes in you. He hears you. He knows the dreams, the desires of your heart. He believes in you. He hopes in all things. He has great hope for you. The Bible says that we have this great hope of anticipation for things to come. And he endures all things. What is this love? You know, I was given the topic to to talk on love. And I want you to understand that what is this love? This love is the person of Jesus. It is the dwelling of the Holy Spirit. And it is the truth of the living God. That is what love is. And that's what love will always be. It's not how many gifts you can get your wife or how much counseling you can get or what you can tell your kids. What love is, if you give somebody anything, give them Jesus. Give them the grace, the mercy of Jesus. And you'll be giving them love like no other. What is love? What is this so love that maybe by chance today you'd believe in him? I want to close with Luke 2, 25 through 32, because we got things we got to do after this. So Jesus was just born. I'll give you all a little backstory. And he was ready to get dedicated as a baby. Little, little baby Jesus, like in the nativity scene. They bring him to the priest. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in the arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen. Today your eyes can see. Salvation. A light for revelation to the Gentiles. And for glory to your people. He said, now I can go in peace, for I have seen the Lord. I don't want you to leave here today without peace, without love, without hope. And next week we're talking on joy. But don't leave here today without peace, of knowing that God is your king. And so I I want to create a moment for you today. You can bow your heads. You can close your eyes. There's no judgment in this room because you're supposed to be here today. God's not mad at you. God's not scared of your questions. If you've been looking for love in the wrong places, if you've been desiring love in the wrong places, if you've been filling it with the wrong things and you have these cracks in your, in your heart, these spaces and places, and you need this true undenying, unfailing, this realistic love deep within your heart, and you know you want it today, I pray that you can receive the Lord. 
The Bible says, all that believe in him, and if you confess with your mouth, you will be saved. I'm not going to embarrass anyone. But if that's you in this room, the Bible says, for whoever believes in this, you will be saved. I'm going I'm to create a moment on the count of three. I just want you to raise your hands. That way I can see you. We can pray for you. And it just becomes a lot more real to you when you raise your hand. If that's you in this room, you can raise your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. If that's you in this room, raise your hand because love is in this place. Love is in this building. You see, Jesus is here. The Holy Spirit is dwelling among us to buy you back time and time again. Jesus, you see these hands. You see, you see these souls that are craving and aching for you, Father. You see these hands, Lord, and you're buying us again. I just pray, Lord, that as we give our hearts to you, Father, and we say that I believe in you with all that I am, that you came and you died and you rose again and you lived this perfect life so I would have access into heaven to walk and talk with you all the days of my life. And God, we just pray for all those in this room who need a true encounter with love, that you would make yourself known right here, right now, deep within their heart, Father God, right here, right now. Open your heart. Open your hands. Let God in. Give him another chance because he's standing in the back of the crowd saying, I'll, I'll take that. I'll buy that. I'll take it. I'll buy that. Say all that in Jesus' name. This week is a celebration that the search for you started. So I hope you leave here today with a new perspective of love, of peace, of hope. Because Jesus is too good to not believe. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about Legacy Church and other resources, visit us online at legacyfamily.info.